welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. If you are visiting with us, you're our honored guest. We're so glad to have you here. We have many that are joining us on social media, and we welcome you as well. Our theme this year is Seek and Do. And at least one sermon every month, Brother Ken is focusing on that, and he's doing that today, and we look forward to his lesson. In our services today, Brother Jeremy Jones will be leading us in singing. Brother Jonathan Farr has the opening prayer. Brother Carter Sweeney, the scripture reading. Brother Ken Forrest will have the lesson of the day. Uh, Brother Jerry Barrett will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And then Brother Chris Beard will have announcements and closing prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, it is so wonderful that we can assemble to worship Thee. We pray that what we do today would be pleasing in Your sight and that we would be blessed by being here. We love You, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are in awe of your creation. As we see the seasons change throughout time, Heavenly Father, we know that you designed this universe in a way that everything works together perfectly. We praise you for this, Heavenly Father. And we know as we come before your throne now, Lord, as the creator of our universe and each of us, that we are here to worship you, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you'll be with us as we go throughout this worship service, that the songs that we sing will be pleasing to your ears, Heavenly Father, that you will bless the words of Ken, that it will have an effect on us, Heavenly Father, that we may use the lesson and apply it to our lives. We pray, Lord, that we will commune with your Son, Heavenly Father, when we take the Lord's Supper in a little while. And Lord, we pray that you will be with all those in the church, Lord, that are sick and out with various ailments or illnesses, Heavenly Father. We pray that you will help them to return to the normal walks of life. Lord, our body is scattered to some extent and as we worship in slightly different times now, Lord, and we pray that you'll be with each person regardless of whether, where they are at, that you will watch over them, protect them, Heavenly Father, and that, Lord, we will always remember that we have each other regardless of what goes on in this world, that we are your body, and if we are part of your body, we cannot be separated from you. Lord God, we pray that you will help us as a church, Heavenly Father, that you will bless the works that this church does, be with the leadership of this church, Heavenly Father, guide it in all of its decisions. We pray all these things in your great and holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. 
I'll be reading today from John chapter 17, verse 3. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Good morning, everyone. It is so great to see you today. I hope you had a wonderful week. And I don't know what your day was like yesterday, but I participated in two gender reveals. That is out of vogue these days, I think. But had two of them. One was for the Kendricks, and they are going to be having a little boy. So congratulations to them. And then... We drove to Birmingham where our son and daughter were having, our daughter-in-law were having a gender reveal. And now in addition to our daughter's daughter, which is coming maybe in about two weeks. Wow. Also, we have another little girl coming in a few months after that. So we're very excited. I grew up in a family where I was one of three boys. And when our daughter Casey came along, I, I, that was beyond me. So that was a learning experience. And now we got two girls coming in the same year. And I just, I don't know, I'm just very excited about that. So we, we rejoice in that and we, we hope that you'll just rejoice with us. Ben Roberts gave me a note. This pertains to a friend of his, James McCalman. He had a stroke, and he is having a lot of seizures right now. He would like a special prayer on his behalf. Now, I love that he's thinking of his friend when he has his own procedure this week. Went to the doctor last Thursday. They determined a course of treatment, and Brother Ben is going to be having some stent surgery to help correct an aneurysm that his body has produced. That's going to take place on Wednesday. Is that right? So we want to be remembering these in our prayer. We're going to pray. The reason I, I do before I preach, I've shared with that, that with you before, is because I, I just, to me, this is such a monumental moment because we're going to be worshiping together in God's Word. It's a little different maybe from the approach you might take in a Bible class where, you know, your design is to learn something. Well, in, in worship, we are learning something, I hope, but it's more than that because the message of God is with our intent of heart in worship and lifting him up, it, it's putting the priority of his word above everything else in the moment. And so we are opening ourselves up to hear God's word with the intent that it's going to make a difference some way. Now, as has already been mentioned, this is one lesson out of many that will be dealing with our general theme of seeking and doing. And when Ezra was preparing his heart... 
He was doing what was necessary to open it up to the will of God. So that's what we're going to think about here today. We're going to be deepening our connection to God. And it's my intention through our study to share those things that I believe the scriptures teach us will help us to deepen our connection to God. Before we start, though, let's have that prayer that God will bless us in in that study. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the blessing of this day and now for this time to be able to worship you. We've been participating in worship, Father. We've lifted you up in many ways, but now we're letting your very words penetrate our hearts that we have opened up to you. And I pray, Lord, that the word will be effective in us, and especially today, that it will do what's necessary to deepen our connection with you. We pray for those that are among us that are suffering because we love each other. And we pray for Brother Ben as he's going to be having surgery this week. And we pray it's going to be a great success. And we pray, Lord, you'll be with his friend, James McCalman, as he's struggling right now. We pray your blessings that he'll recover. And Lord, while we consider these physical circumstances important, right now in this moment, we just pray that with, with those things aside and our confidence in your concern over them, that now we'll look inwardly. And help me, Lord, as your proclaimer that I can speak your truth in such a way that's easy to understand and to grasp. And then I pray for those who hear it, that they can take what I have to say in spite of my own limitations and that that word will become effective in living in them. And we thank you for the privilege it is to be a party to that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This text tells us something so extraordinary. It's, it's hard to describe, but I'm going to do my best to describe it. He says this very thing right here. This is eternal life that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they may know you, the only true God. Now, I love that. I want to know the only true God. I can know the only true God, according to the last phrase of that verse, by Jesus Christ whom he sent. Jesus was sent so that we could know God. Knowing God is what's going to result in our eternal life. Now that matter of knowing God, that's not just knowing a few facts about God, knowing something about God. It's really about building a close relationship, or as I'm going to put it today, a connection with God. And that is not necessarily as easy as it seems. God's made that possible, as he says in this text, through Jesus Christ, whom he sent. In John chapter 1, the whole book of John begins 
with that notion. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. In verse 14 it says that that very same word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Looking at Jesus could show us the Father. Looking at Jesus could turn the light on in a world of darkness. Beholding Jesus was beholding more than just a set of rules. It was appreciating, taking into oneself the aspect of God which is grace and truth. To that point, a little bit later in John chapter 5 and verse 39, Jesus said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, the scriptures that you are studying to try and find eternal life. If I could just find a set of rules to follow that would give me eternal life, I'd do it. And so they were searching them. And Jesus says, wait a minute, what you're reading there, eternal life is going to come through the fulfillment of those things, which is, is me, Jesus Christ, whom God has sent, the only true God. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus makes it about as plain as can be made in that text. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. He's the way to God, the truth about God, the life with God. And John, as he is finishing up the book and realizing that it would be impossible to write everything about Jesus. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he says, Truly, many other signs did Jesus in the presence of these disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Question, what kind of life? Eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. I want us not just to know facts about God. I want us to have a deep connection with God. Deepening our connection requires some things of us. Those are the things we'll talk about today. One thing, it requires holiness. The book of Exodus, chapter 3 and verse 5, Moses has come along and he has approached the place where God is. And God tells him, don't you come any closer. Take your sandals off your feet, for where you stand is holy ground. I always thought that was interesting. I mean, like, Lord, how, how far? You know, how far back is 
because dirt's dirt. Well, dirt is dirt, except when God is connected with the dirt. That dirt was holy because God was there. And it was such a profound and overwhelming experience that God is like, don't you come any closer because you are in the presence of my holiness. Take those dirty shoes off your feet. Wow. That just blows me away. And thinking about, wow, holiness, which is, which is a way of describing absolute purity, It is a condition of, sometimes we talk about the separateness of God. God is so different from us. He's he's absolutely pure. In Psalm 99, verse 9, it says, The Lord your God is holy. (laughs) He He is just, He's absolutely everything that you aren't in terms of purity and rightness. In heaven, God is surrounded by beings who themselves are of incredibly pure stock, who in God's presence cry out to Him. Isaiah 6, verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Now, the threefold repetition of the holiness is just, it's, you might as well just put exclamation marks there. I mean, he is, he is so holy. You get that? He's holy. He is holy. So pure. It's like his, his holiness, his greatness cannot be confined to this space. His glory is throughout the entire earth a place that is inhabited by beings who have the ability to perceive how great He is. And so, in the book of Habakkuk, there is this sentiment expressed. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. Wow. So God is so holy, holy, holy in the midst or in the, before the presence of these creatures that can adore Him. And what they should do is stop everything that has their attention. Just stop and recognize the greatness of Almighty God. Just stop it. Be quiet. A God like that requires worshipers that are also holy. Our text says that that association is coming through Jesus Christ, whom He, the one true God, sent. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter could say, as he's quoting the Old Testament Scriptures that were assigned to the worship of God, the book of Leviticus, Be holy, for I am holy. Get yourself cleaned up as you come to approach me. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 3, 
Paul talking to a people who, who have gone from worshiping idols and being involved in all kinds of immoral acts in the participation of the, those, the worship toward those idols, he hits the nail on the head with regard to holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in a passion of lust as the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. For the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who's also given us his Holy Spirit. So, so here a group of people grew, grew up thinking that the way to worship God, in some cases, was immorality. Well, immorality has now been identified as against God. And God says, I want pure people to worship me. So whatever your misconception from the past is, you've got to set that aside. It isn't a man who determines that. It is God through means of His Holy Spirit. If you want to worship me, among other things, at least for them, it was set aside sexual immorality. For us, it might be something else that stands in the way, but God says, I have to have the attention. I have to have your pure and undivided attention as you approach me. Look, I want as I think you want. I want to be able to offer to God holiness. I want to be able to be in this relationship with Him. In order to do that, whatever that it is that stands in the way of my approaching Him, my, my, my unholiness has to be set aside through Jesus I ought to be able to approach him in purity, to be able to come to him as he is a holy God. But it isn't just holiness that's required of me. It's also, according to the scriptures, repentance that's required. If I'm going to deepen my connection to God, I've got to have a repentant spirit. In the book of James, chapter 4, beginning at verse 7, James says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Look, we, we put on this face, right? We're just, we're happy, we're good. Look at me, I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. Are you? Is that, what, is that what is driving you? Is that true? Or is there something, is there something standing in the way of this relationship to God? Maybe it's my inability to repent. He says, to submit to God, and we might go along with that and say, yeah, you know, I, 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 I want God's way to be my way. You know, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. We say those things, but look how he follows that up. Draw near to God. To draw near literally means to draw as close as you possibly can. 
Now, I'm thinking about that within the context of what was said to Moses. Moses, boy, you better stop right there. Because you, you've got dirty shoes on. Get those shoes off your feet. This ground right here, this is holy ground. Dare you even try to approach me with that, with that dirt on your feet? And I think, wow, God in this holy place. Now He turns to us. And He says, I want you to draw near to me. I mean, you're my child. Draw near to me. I'm His child made possible through the one that He sent, Jesus Christ. I got that. But He says, you make sure that these conditions are met. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Have you heard that before? I have. It's a sentiment expressed in Psalm 51, at verse 10 in particular, but the setup to that is that David has sinned. His most famous sin, the one with Bathsheba, results in the death of her husband, ultimately the death of the illegitimate child, and now he's, he's come to terms as his own sin now has become public. He's been confronted by Nathan, and he's having to own up to all of this. And the way he sees it earlier in this text is against you, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in my sight. Well, evil in your sight. So God, you see this, and, and I'm overwhelmed with my sin. Uh, but then there's this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I need a new heart. Create that for me. A clean one. And also a steadfast spirit. And it may be that before all these things had happened, he thought, you know, I'm, I'm great, you know. I am that man after God's own heart. I'm, I'm doing good. But he tripped up and, and he committed this grievous sin. And many a man or a woman have tripped and fallen on their faces and that's exactly where they stayed. But David's like, you know what? I, I can't stay here. I, I want fellowship with you again, Lord. That, that's all that I desire. So, so hear my plea as I just recognize it. It's between you and me, ultimately. And I need you to create this clean heart in me and make me steadfast again. You know, help me get on track and not stop. Have you heard people, it, it, maybe you've done this, But if I haven't heard them say it exactly, I'm pretty sure by their actions, it's what they thought. It's like, I, I know what God wants me to do. And specifically, I know that this thing that I want to do is sinful in the eyes of God. But there are extenuating circumstances. Right, yeah, I'm committing this sin, but the reason that I'm doing it is because of this. And God understands. That's what many people say. God understands where I'm coming from. And so even though it's technically wrong, he, you know, I'm pretty confident he's going to give me a pass. Really? Now, we're talking about 
the God who, according to our text, sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He sent His Son, and then He watched as His Son was brutalized by scourging and hanging on a cross. He took no action. He he didn't send legions of angels to stop that process. He let it continue. And not only that, but as Jesus is hanging on that cross, bearing the sin of the whole world, not guilty of sin Himself, but bearing our sin, you understand, your sin and my sin. Bearing that sin on the cross, God took no action, but let Him hang on that cross, not only died, but turned His back on His own Son, His only begotten Son. So you think that that God who allowed His Son to be brutalized and to die alone on that cross, (laughs) is going to give you a pass. He'll just say, you know what? I understand your sin. That's fine. It's cool. No. That is not true. What God requires is that we repent. God requires that we turn from our sin, not try to justify it. I'm pretty sure that deepening our connection requires fellowship. Now, I'm thinking about 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. You know, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, this text is famous for that last part right there. Cleanses us from all sin. That's actually in the Greek in the present And so if you were going to translate it literally, it would be, it keeps on cleansing us. So the idea is, I obeyed the gospel, I was buried in the water, baptism, I came up out of that water. The blood of Jesus washed my sins away at that moment, but as long as I am walking in the light, that blood is continuing to cleanse me. Isn't that a comforting thought? but walking in the light. I mean, that's the thing. We've already talked about holiness and repentance. So if I'm going to have fellowship with God, then that means I'm I'm going to be about pleasing Him through walking with Him. I'll give you an example. It's this man by the name of Enoch. Genesis chapter 5, verse 24 The text there tells us that Enoch walked with God. There's somebody that spent time with God. And if you know the story, you know that Enoch lived for 365 years. One year for every day of one day of a year of our life. So for 365 years, Enoch, he walked with God. And then when you have an account of what had happened there with Enoch, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, we find out that he pleased God. So as Enoch is walking with God all these many years of his life, in the process of that walk, in the process of living along with God, he was pleasing God. What does that mean? Well, it means that he not only had the idea, I'm going to be with you, Lord, but I'm going to do what you say. 
I'm going to stay in fellowship with you because I'm going to continue to do as you are teaching me to do. What you're expecting me to do, I'm going to fulfill. Now that happens with the Father, the only true God. That happens with Jesus Christ, the Son, the one that He sent. But that also happens with us. You say, now, wait a minute, Ken, how how did you wrap us into a conversation that talks about an almighty God that it can't approach or a Jesus Christ who died on the cross and took my sins away. Well, it's, it's this. It is the like-mindedness. It is the walking aspect. John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21 is Jesus' prayer. And I do not pray for these alone, but also for all those who are going to believe in me, that they may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. I'm having fellowship. I'm aspiring to have fellowship with the Father. Sure, I want want to be with God, the, the one true God. And with Jesus, who has shown me the Father. But also with others of like mind. All of us coming together in one mind. If I'm going to have this relationship with God, it's not just, okay, I want God, I want Jesus, I don't want anybody else. Not that. Not according to this text. It's all of us together as one. And then it's also going to require the big one. And that is love. So... 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. How do I love you, Lord? Keep my commandments. Oh, that's tough. No, it's not. Oh, wait, why isn't it tough? Because, see, I want to do this, and you tell me to do this. Not in this relationship. If this relationship is based on love, then it's not a have-to relationship, it's a want-to relationship. So whatever it is that he's wanting me to do, I do because I want to, because I love him. I heard the story about a woman who is married to a very abusive husband. He called her names, mistreated her in every way. But he demanded things of her. Because after after all, she was his wife. So every morning, she would get up early, prepare coffee that he wanted to drink, fix his eggs like he wanted them fixed, and his bacon not too soft and not too crispy, and fix that toast and don't burn it, and just make it perfect. And if it's not right, try it again. And oh, by the way, make sure that my shirts are pressed and my slacks are lint free and you get my things ready and laid out. And then I'll go and I'll do the hard work and I'll call you during the day to check on you and make sure that you're not just laying around the house. And then when I come home tonight, I'm going to make sure that you have a meal for me. So she would work all day, keeping the house straightened up because she knew that if she didn't, when he got home, she was going to have to pay. He'd come home demanding his meal and she would have it hot and ready. No matter if he came in late, she was going to do whatever was necessary to please this man because if not, she knew she was going to get hurt over it. 
And this went on for years and years and years with this pattern of abuse, and he died. And over a course of time, she eventually fell in love with another man, and they were married, and he treated her like the queen of his castle. He doted over her. There was no compliment too small that he would not extend her way. And every morning that he woke up, he could smell the food cooking out there in the kitchen. Eggs just like he liked them, and the bacon crispy, and the toast was always perfect. He'd come in there and eat that meal. She would kiss him on his forehead, tell him, Honey, I got your stuff ready for you, all pressed and lint free. He'd dress for the day thinking how lucky a man he was. He'd call her during the day just to check on her and see how things were going. He just loved that woman so much. When he came home, there was that aroma of a beautiful supper prepared. Oh, she loved to cook for that man. She did the same thing for both husbands. She did the first out of fear. She did the second not because she had to, because she wanted to. She loved her husband because he treated her in a loving and respectful manner. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Why are they not burdensome? Because we love him so much. We love him. And we do anything for him. I don't know about you. I want a, I want a deeper connection with God. I know the past year... 2020, that was a tough year. And for many, it caused a disconnect. Not having fellowship with the brothers and sisters, and as much as we tried to, it's pretty hard to stay connected now that we've started coming back. Isn't it just, isn't it a joy? Isn't it just, in a feeling of love, why do we do that? Why do we show up? Because we just love Him so much. God's different from us. But if we're going to connect to Him, it's going to require some things of us. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, beginning at verse 8, Scripture says, finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Listen now. And the God of peace will be with you. You want that connection? It's going to take some effort on your part. But you're going to do it not because you have to, because you love God and you want to. If you're a child of God, that's your motivation. And maybe you have felt a disconnect. 
It's time to get back. It's time to do the things that we have set our hearts to do all along. Not because we have to, but because we love God and we want to. Maybe you're not a child of God today. Today gives you an opportunity to obey the gospel. And you can demonstrate your gratitude to God for his indescribable gift of his son dying on the cross for you. You believe that? If you do, then confess it before this number. Make a commitment to repent, to turn away from sin. Today you can be buried in water in obedience to the gospel. Washed by the blood of Jesus, rise up out of that watery grave, a new creature. You can enjoy fellowship with God and the Son with us. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, now's your opportunity to do it. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing.
chapter 10, verse 16. It's not the cup of blessing which we bless as sharing in the blood of Christ. It's not the bread which we break as sharing in the body of Christ. Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body. But we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifice and shares in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in the demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than you, are we? Please pray with me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come together as one today. And we remember, for it is written, that our Lord and Savior gave all for each and every one of us. For everything we have is because of Him. It's because of you sent your Son through this greatest sacrifice that ever has been. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. who are uh, worshiping with us uh, over the internet. I'd like to remind everyone our next scheduled service is this evening at 5 p.m. We'll be having Bible study. This morning for the early service we had 97 at our 1030 service. Today we had 150. 
Uh, we've been asked to please pray for J.W. Moody. He will be having heart surgery Monday in Chupelo. He is a member of the Liberty Church of Christ. If you haven't done so already, if you would pick up an order of worship bulletin, you can find them on the tables and at most of the doors. On the inside, you're going to find an extensive uh, list of sick that we need to remember in prayer. Also, I'd like to call your attention uh, to some notes. There will be multiple lads to leaders meetings today. Make sure you know what time and where you need to be. The Golden Circle, this coming Tuesday at 11.30 in the Annex, soup and chili will be provided. They will have the table space for social distancing. Also, uh, remember the FHU lectureships, February the 7th through the 11th, they will be online. Uh, you can also come to the uh, chapel, 10.30 and 3.30 open forum, will be live streamed in our auditorium for any who would like to view it. Also, anybody interested in going to Horizons July the 4th through the 9th, there's some information you need to know there. That's all the announcements I have this morning. If you would, please stand and we'll be dismissed. Our Father in Heaven, we humbly come before your throne this morning, Father, praying that all of our worship this morning has been in truth and in spirit before thee. Father, we also pray that as we are sinful creatures and we sin daily, that we are grateful that we have the opportunity to come before you and confess our sins and to live a life worthy of thee, that one day we may have a reward in heaven with thee. Father, also we ask you that you be with the J.W. Moody and his surgery tomorrow. We ask you that you be with the doctors and the nurses and those caring for him. Also, Father, all those others who are sick, hurting, we ask you that you be with them, be with those who are caring for them, and help them that they may return to their most wanted places in life. Father, we ask you that you go with each and every one of us as we go out through our daily walks. We pray that we may live lives that others may see Christ living in us. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>